Leslie on Overthinking It Recap 24. It changes everything. It's bigger than coffee. I mean, they can't know that that cold brew technology has been in works in a government laboratory in a submarine underneath the polar ice caps. You can torture me all you want. All I know is that you need to follow the money. Cradle the head. I don't want him to injure his neck. The Downton Abbey moment. To clarify, that is the moment where a conversation about something unrelated to the main plot of the story provides a doorway for interpretation into the episode. We are not kidding around. We don't have time to explain this again. What are the circumstances in which we could get more fan service? Maybe, like, Jack gets into a final showdown and, like, they call in all the operatives in London to help him out. (laughs) And, like, (laughs) Tony Almeida shows up and he's like, I was working covert at Hyde Park, like, busting busting homeless people for drinking. Um, Bill Buchanan shows up. (laughs) Yeah, Bill Buchanan. Buchanan, All the dead people. Is is Jack Bauer going to die and is he going to have visions of all of the people that have died? Maybe Jack's been dead the whole time and this is like... (laughs) No, I think think Pete's right. I think it's going to be like the end of Les Miserables. Even though there are certain rhythms of a 24, these kind of circadian rhythms of, of Jack Bauer, um, in any given season, they're actually, they feel a little different because they're um, they're deployed in slightly different sequences. I think it might be time for the final reckoning, guys. I think it might be time for us to unlock this door, head back upstairs to the control center slash kitchen, and confront the final revelations around the cold brew coffee. It's our only play. Pull the door unlocking lever. The following takes place between 10 p.m. and 11 a.m. Jesus Christ! Oh my god. Oh my god. The command center slash commissary is on fire. The whole place is on fire. What was going on? I guess I forgot before the the phone rang and all the stuff happened with the torture room, I put on some chestnuts, just a light canola fry of some chestnuts, and I must have forgotten to turn it off. Oh, my God. Oh, but, 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 oh, but regular chestnuts are going to be so pissed off. There's, there's, no way that, there's no way that regular chestnuts and canola oil could start a fire that big. Was it artisanal chestnuts? Oh, well, well, of course. Why do you mix that regular canola oil with, artis- with a non-artisanal oil, Ryan? Listen, we've been we've been doing this recap. It's been a long day. I'm afraid. I am totally afraid around the edges. I'm afraid. Like the thing is, we're almost done. So we just have to assume that the overthinking it fire department will put out the fire, and uh, and 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 we have to stay here in the torture room, which is now our second panic room in a way. Right. Uh, And and. Just keep recapping, and 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 we'll 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 sort out the fire, and the cold brew, and the conspiracy. I'm I'm pr- I feel confident that all of those things will work themselves out as okay. we go forward. Well, I'm sure glad that we did that charity calendar so that we have an overthinking at fire department because otherwise we wouldn't even have all of those sexy firemen to come put the fire out. No, exactly. <sighs> no all right, Eric, you in for another episode? Um, I, I, yeah. I, Get in the chair! Get in the chair! Okay, I'm in the chair. All right. You comfortable? You want some more yeah, slices? Very comfortable. All right. I really could have used, um, you know what I'm in the mood for, uh, oh, sadly don't enough? It. Don't say it. Artisanal chestnuts. Oh! oh yeah, you have to rub it. Listen, man, we were it's, just going to have you sit in the torture chair for comfort, but if you're going to keep rubbing this in, I mean, we look, we have a lot of, you know, sodium pentholate and, you know, wires and all kinds of crap. So look, we, we, listen, I tried, all right? Don't rub it in, man. I'm not rubbing it in. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes life is like a Lannis Morissette song. That's yeah, all. look, sometimes, guys, you do your best. 
and you try your hardest, and the outcome is not happy. And Re- uh, look, recapping like like uh, field operations are not a science. No, 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 that's definitely true. And there are certain sacrifices that you have to make when you're committed to your duty, right, and to doing the things that need to be done. And here we are at ten o'clock p.m. heading into the final stretch of recapping here on Overthinking It. 24 live another day just having been struck by this staggering staggering hour of television and by our own personal tragedies of course and our own shortcomings and our own attempts to fly a little bit too close to the artisanal sun thus plunging headlong into the artisanal waters below but we must go on we must continue well let's let's start with the question we always start with uh, Ryan what was your what was your Downton Abbey what was your Downton Abbey moment for this episode of 24 I, I mean, I have to say, I feel like there's one moment that dwarfed all others. Um, and I think that this this may, re- in fact, be the um, Downton Abbey moment for the season or for the entire show. Um, and so there may be other sub-Downton Abbey moments for this specific episode. But the one moment that dwarfed everything for me was the scene um of of uh of heller our last scene of heller uh on the tarmac um loading audrey's casket into air force one um and that there's several pieces of this that I think um, swirl around um, a number of of big themes of this episode. Uh, again, of uh, there's kind of Russian nesting dolls of of meaning. Um, but one of the ones that really struck me as being about either you know this specific episode or the 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 kind of moment of ending a 24 season, ending a 24 arc. Is, um, is 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 what he's saying about um, his Alzheimer's, where he says, you know, I'm uh, I'm I was looking at uh, the um, at the at the at the picture uh, on his desk, and he said, I knew I, that I knew that woman. I couldn't think of her name, and then and then it was Audrey. Um, and then he goes on to say, I won't remember anything that happens today. I won't remember anything that uh, happens, period. Oh, um, I yeah. won't remember that I had a daughter who died in such a horrible fashion. Oh. Um, and, and I think that – I mean there's a lot of to, – to unpack there. But one of the things that it struck me is – you know, it, it actually struck me – one thing that it resonated with is the process of some of the things that I've experienced while watching – and recapping uh, 24 is, I mean, we and this has happened uh, again and again throughout this day where there have been times where we've been comparing something that's happening to something that happened on a previous day of 24, a previous season, and right. there's a lot of what what's his name uh who is that guy is that marwan uh is that uh assad uh is that uh and, and so on right and um and and remembering oh wait what was what was the what were all of the twists of the plot in that season who was the big bad um and that there's this interesting um and and, and i think that this then also overlaps with what we've noticed about how for a show that is so strongly uh, serialized. Um, it's actually one thing that we, I think, one of, an interesting discovery that we've made um, and articulated throughout the, these recaps is that it's um, shockingly, um, uh, shockingly episodic. That there's these strong resets in characters and motivations uh, with every episode in a way that actually is strikingly um, paralleled, at least the way uh, parallels how uh, Alzheimer's is described here. That there are these resets of 
you know, who are we, what are we doing? And so I think that there's something interesting about a one thing. And, and again, it may not actually reflect all that's going on in this specific episode, but I think as a kind of Downton Abbey moment for a bigger stretch of 24, um, this, this, um, this, this question of time and memory uh, and and kind of crisis and urgency and how they overlap um, I, I, was one of the really powerful things that I saw um, going on in that quote. And and again, um, and it, it was such a powerful scene that it may have actually um, drowned out other other scenes that um, that that were interesting because it was just it was just um, jaw dropping. Yeah, I mean, it was so staggering. I mean, I would describe that scene as the cathartic scene of yeah. the the season. Of course, we have the scene where Jack undergoes catharsis personally um, but i don't know if that's the scene where we undergo catharsis as an right. audience uh in, in well i'd love to talk about that scene too because that's um that's another of the many dark scenes in this dark yeah, yeah. in this very dark episode yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. eric uh, what about you what are you thinking what are you uh for for the downton abbey moment well so so the, the Downton Abbey moment. Let explain to me. Let me explain it one more time. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't think that the Heller speech is the Downton Abbey moment, but I think it's appropriate that it's one of the first scenes that we address, right. and we'll address it more. But uh, the Downton Abbey moment is your doorway into understanding the episode, and and we just we it, the way we found out over the course of this recap that twenty four doesn't function the same way that these Downton Abbey episodes have functioned, and it also is something that tends to happen a lot in Mad Men, where there's you know an idea that's through the entire show. And then they throw in these little scenes that have only sort of incidental relation to the plot, but yeah. that um, in which something is said, which then resonates with everything else that is happening. In 24, what we found is that there's a lot more kind of like symmetry and reflection, and different scenes have kind of been uh, foreshadowing of other scenes or, or echoes often going backwards of other scenes, right? There's like these grand gestures that mm-hmm. dominate the uh, the episode and and then the other little moments so so a Downton so, Abbey moment yeah go ahead I was gonna say yeah so I mean, a Downton Abbey moment is a scene that's an entry point to the episode that is kind of very apart seems very unrelated to the rest of the scenes but I think another way of answering the question is also to you know I I think that part of the reason why we're calling them Downton Abbey moments is in addition to the fact that they occur a lot in Downton Abbey is that as a tool of um of recapping TV shows we actually started this question of what is your scene that was your doorway into this episode on our overthinking it um uh, Downton Abbey recaps oh, okay <laughs> and and, and then fair. we found actually that uh, a lot of these um, uh, that that a lot of the answers were these kinds of the dowager. It's usually a dowager countess making some remark about a piece of furniture or china or a book, uh, or or something like that. Um, but so I mean, regardless of whether you're identifying a scene that's strictly kind of um orthogonal to what's going on. I mean, I guess in general, another way of asking the question is, you know, for you, Eric, what scene? did you find was an entry point for the episode that you kind of that, that at least uh, g- stuck with you as 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 resonating with some of uh, what was going on uh what, what you thought was interesting about the episode as a whole well i mean honestly and this is gonna sound i mean i'm not trying to cop out here because it was very integral to the whole episode i mean the entry point for me really was when it started with audrey sitting on that bench hmm. um, oh yeah definitely and, like could not move you know, and when she tried to move, like, you know, she was ordered back and her friend was, you know, finally killed. Um, I think maybe to some degree her 
you know, going to help her friend. Hmm. You know, like hmm. I agree like, with you hundred and ten percent, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well I guess Wait. I'm on my own. <laughs> <laughs> well no, you you started at the mountaintop. We started at the parking lot, right? right and yeah. so right, the right. idea is you part of the idea I'm behind these. And you, I'm skiing and you guys are hiking. Yeah, but the idea is exactly. that the reason we start with the Downton Abbey moment isn't because it's the most important moment. It's because it, it's an easier moment to start talking about theme because you're not already in the middle of the plot. And right. in this kind of show, the plot can the plot and the theme they run in parallel, but they often have a lot of distance between each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you know there'll be a conversation that's happening where like Jack and Chloe will have a tender moment and then Jack will like list off a bunch of exposition of things that are happening and then yeah. they'll have like another tender moment. If you're in the middle of the chase scene, it's kind of hard to, to really peg what's happening that's important because well, of all the adrenaline. Anyway, go ahead, Eric. I mean, I would say like the theme of this episode is sort of being stuck in, you know, decisions or, you know, positions that you have to be in, but you don't want to. I mean, you have Audrey on the bench. She can't move or she's going to get shot. Uh, you have Jack having to go after uh, Chang Z. Um, sorry. Chang Z! Chang Z! But, um, you know, when he wants to go after Audrey. And, uh, you know, you have. You know, sort of situations like that, I guess. You have Heller... You have Mark stuck by himself um, yeah. to face, you know, treason charges. Right. You have Chloe, who's, you know, standing by Jack because she feels it's her duty uh, to do so. Um, you know, she has no vested interest in it, but she feels that she has to help Jack. Um, you know, because she owes it to him. Yes. And I think the most... The, most, the, the, the dimension that I would add to that to more fully embrace more of the things that happen in the episode is that she uses the word help, right? She says, I want to help her, right? And then later when uh, Chang Chang is uh, telling Jack not to come save Audrey, he also says, don't try to help her. They don't use the word save. They don't use the word rescue, right? It's about a friend and it's about helping. And there's this idea that you have a, a and it's not even a duty because duty implies that it's impersonal. It's something yeah. – it's a necessary obligation that rises out of the nature of you caring for this other person that you have to help them. There's like not a more primary sort of impulse that these sort of people are going to have than this desire to help their friends. And then this idea of of it being – everything is a hostage situation this episode. It's a hostage mm-hmm. situation where somebody is trying to get something by holding somebody else hostage, yeah. right? So like – you know. Chang tries to get Audrey to sit still by holding her friend hostage, and then he tries to get Jack to sit still by holding Audrey hostage, and then mm-hmm. you know, and then like Chloe, you know, and the Chinese and the Americans are holding each other hostage with the brinksmanship is going on, right? And um, and yeah. all this other different kinds of stuff is happening, and it's 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 definitely about like this 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 really intense. It's moral. It's personal. It's about care, right? This desire. And this need and this co- just compulsion to help people, right? It's yeah. and it's and it, it's just it's a really, really wonderfully mature and robust and sublime and beautiful and terrible take on the sort of post cowboy action hero. This idea that like I have to go help people, 
I yeah. have to. Yeah. And the world's yeah. saying, like, we're yeah. going to stop you, right? And what happens in this episode that's so beautiful, one of the things is they, they don't get away clean. There's, right. there's, a, terrible, there's a terrible cost uh, to doing it. But more often than that, the person also just dies. Like, you don't succeed. Like, you end up helping people at large, but right. you don't help yourself, and the person that you're trying to save doesn't make it. Right? Guys, yeah. Yeah? Guys, um, it, it's good that you brought up this idea of helping people that you, you care about. Yeah, um, no, it's totally the center of the episode, Eric. Because um, it, it really made me think, and um, I just realized that the kitchen is on fire, but the cold brew coffee is still in there, and someone has to go get it. Wait, Eric, what are you saying? I'm saying, look, this is partially my fault. That Eric, you, Eric, you don't have to do this. Everything you have happens. to let it no. go, Eric. You have to let it go. No, I have to do this. I have. I. I know I was the mole, and you guys tortured me. But this was. This is on me somewhat that there is a fire here, and I don't know if we can wait for the overthinking fire brigade, uh, sexy as they might be, to come and save the cold brew coffee. So I'm going to go up there, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to save the cold brew coffee. You guys are my best friends, and I owe it to you to take care of this. If there's any chestnuts up there left, do you want me to get them too? I mean, if you if it's not too much trouble, and yeah, 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 okay, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's a Tony Almeida, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, guys, here I go. Ah! Pull the lever! Pull the lever! Wow! Wow! That's that was that was a very cathartic moment. He's made a very brave sacrifice. Um, yeah, we're I mean, gonna have it's... to wait until the clock to tell whether it's silent or not to know whether Eric made it or not. Hopefully, we'll um, you know. Hopefully, we'll find out sooner than that. Okay, perhaps um, that would be cool. hopefully. Hopefully, I mean, just hopefully because I I don't want to know because well, I want I want to circle back to this um, mm-hmm. that this idea of helping each other. Um, and and this kind of it's not just you know a duty to help your friends, but you're you're the, the, by virtue of having a connection, you you help them. And there's a few different ways than we talk about the inverses and the um, kind of re, uh, refractions um, of this kind of thing. And I think that once again brings up another piece of it. I think what's striking um, and uh, and interesting about the Heller scene um, that we were uh, that we were talking about, uh, which is that if you if you don't know who the people are, you can't help them, right? This this uh, this kind of one to one help it, uh, uh, of helping your friends is um, is is undermined if you if you don't know who they are and and what that what that history is. Um, and I think that that um, I, I, and I, so I think that that's, that connects um, in a strong way to this this through line that that we're drawing throughout the episode. And I, again, there's a number of the other uh, other scenes that bring it back, but I just wanted to kind of connect it back to that. Yeah, I think it's you can even you can even uh, take it a step further and connect it broadly with, of course, the really the thing that I think really sets this because I said on Facebook that this <clears throat> this episode included one of the some of the darkest mo- one of the darkest yeah. moments in TV history, and and this moment. A thing that really pushes it over the edge in terms of being incredibly dark for me is the coffin with the American flag on it. 
Yeah. So the, and the president walking down the tarmac, you know, the president with Alzheimer's who's not going to remember his daughter walking down the tarmac with the the coffin with the American flag on it, which is of course the coffin with the American flag on it in the airport tarmac is something that really happens, right? That's like a right. thing from real life. Yeah. And not remembering that, right, is is also a thing that happens in real life. Right. And this idea that, you know, 24 is you know, it's quite old at this point and the the things that were happening, you know, the wars that were happening for most of the time the 24 was on television mm-hmm. are pretty much over now. You know, and what has happened to the people that were involved in them, right? You know, what happened to all the people who were in those coffins? You know, they're still in those coffins somewhere. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I think another thing that was really striking about that scene, though, is that what kind of then captured that moment was is that he touches the coffin, right? That he makes physical contact with the, the coffin so that even if he forgets that, that he is present. I mean, I kind of read that in part as being present with it in that moment. Um, and interestingly, we see another piece of contact in the um, in the following scene, in the very last scene, um, when Jack is exchanging himself um, for again in the last hostage exchange um, when they are walk- when Jack and Chloe are passing each other um, and and sort of says, you know, you're you know, you're my best friend. Um, you're right. What you said earlier about being my best friend. Then, as soon as he says that, they touch hands. Right. Right. And so that there are these moments of um, uh, and it's interesting because here, I mean, there are they are embedded. Right. These are kind of small gestures embedded in these larger gestures and these larger scenes and these larger things that are happening. But there's these these really small repeated thing. uh, The repeated unit is this touch of a hand. Um, And I found that really striking in the way that that repeated in those two um, successive scenes. I mean, those two relationships are definitely in parallel in this in the sort of sunrise scenes at the end of the show. Yeah. And I I think that well, I mean, they they contribute to why this show isn't strictly a tragedy because I was thinking about how it's a little difficult to categorize the narrative for this show because it has been so tragic and there's a whole tragic dynamic there's so many big arcs that land in this episode mm-hmm. it's so it's it's like so elegantly efficient in addressing yeah. so many different things that happen over the course of the season yeah. but um one thing i'd remark on here is uh you know uh, audrey tries to help her friend chang says don't do that you know uh, Jack wants to help Audrey, and Chang says, don't do that, right? Chloe wants to help Jack, and Jack says, that's a bad idea. Don't do that, right? right? right. And Chloe ends up helping him anyway, right? And then um, through all of the things, you know, all the people who die and all the people who suffer in this episode and all of the people that people try to help where it fails, right? Um, Chloe is the one who ends up okay, yeah. right? Like because Jack helps her back. Yeah. Right, and that and that yeah. that reciprocation is where the the touch of the hand is. We've talked a lot about how a lot of these episodes have one or two relationships that invert everything that's happening in the rest of the episode. One mm-hmm. of the big ones was that was Jordan, the techie, who was always doing something that was kind of opposite to what everybody right. else in the episode was doing. Right. And in this case, Chloe and Jack are doing the opposite uh, in that they are the ones that are actually helping each other, uh, yeah. or Chloe is actually helping Jack. The moment that that t- moment of tenderness really recalls for me. And I really think it's just so wonderful. Such a wonderful moment is when Mark Boudreau says to Jack, but she loves you. And he goes, yeah. shut up. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. like the, the power, like the quiet power in the statement that she, that she loves Jack. Right. Yeah. And Mark's sort of pl- almost pleading. But it also Mark is like confused. Right? right. Because there's this there's this idea inherent to the notion that Audrey loves Jack, that Jack has to help her. 
Yeah. Right? He has to. And Jack knows it. And that's why he yells shut up is because he doesn't want to confront the reality that he has to do it. Right. Well, right. And because and, and what's interesting is that in t- thinking about a carryover from last episode is that, you know, he, I mean, th- th- this like also um, deepens and refre- reflects some of the scenes that we talked about last episode of like, you know, I'm going to have to do some things and I don't want you to hate me forever. Yeah. Um, and that that forever now means uh, it, like uh, um, uh, obtains a much different uh, weight and also does you know what we um, talked about of um, Audrey saying, you know, do what do whatever you have to do. Right. Um, and so that that kind of. Um, and, and I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Um, I forget if I outright uh, predicted um, that Audrey would die, but um, I, you know that the it definitely um, we you know talked about that she just thought do what you have to do is like you know um, mess mess Chang up right and not and not you know possibly put you know, um, you know no. put my life at risk. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, he's, he she said do what you have to do and then kill him and then kill him. Yeah, kill right. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, but she didn't um, think that she would be the one who would get killed. Yeah, yes. I think that um, just in, in zooming back to this um, scene with Chloe and them helping each other, I think one of the other interesting things that Jack says to Chloe um, that's really striking and really interesting is um, he says, it's time for you to go home. Um, and I think that it's really interesting given that one of the um, the, the things that we talk – one talks a lot about – um, and twenty four is the is 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 time, right? I mean, it's 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 there. It's it's on the surface, and maybe it doesn't get talked about a lot because it seems so obvious. Um, but you know that you have the ticking clock, uh, and and you have you know what? It, it, there's a a cycle of different you know catchphrases that people use when they're parodying the show. But we don't have time for that. Um, is is one of those, and so this is an interesting inversion of that. Of it's time for that. Right, it's time for something, uh, which uh, you know you can find examples of. But then the um, relations between time and home um, in that line, I think, are very interesting, and and that and and the the idea of somebody, what it is to be going home, um, I think, also even re- relates to even the title of the of the season of living another day. Um, and and it made me as I was one thing I was reflecting on at the end of this episode is you know what is the other day you know one way that I think early on and we were talking about the scene of you can't bring back the ones that you love you know we we interpreted living another day as this day that we are seeing uh, is the other day uh, but in some ways another way to understand it uh, to to read it is is that you know is is leading is live some other day right that that and and that um chloe is the one who is going home and is um is going to live uh is live you basically live to live another day um and and so i think that that kind of um that that uh that kind of connection is really um is really interesting yeah Um, I, i would say that live another day another element of of that another aspect of that is that a lot of the characters here were pretty much dead Mm-hmm. And then we're called forward to live again, and in the calling forward to live again, having been pretty much dead, they become very highly aware of the death that's looming before them again. Yes, right. And yes. Then, so their relationship with this death that they already know, and mm-hmm. this death that, that they're very very aware of, right? And yeah. Like Heller's, you know, Heller's descent into dementia. Jack, of course, knowing you know 
the the reckoning is coming for him. Well, and, right, yeah. and then also Kate, who early on in the season, or her career is is dead, right? And there's actually early in the season, I believe, there's a time where she's um, ordered to turn in her badge and gun uh, and, yeah. and paperwork, um, and then at the end here, uh, she does that um, like voluntarily. Yeah. Um, right. And, um, and uh, so I just thinking about though, this kind of these natures of, of, of deaths, I think another scene that I saw that, um, struck me as being extraordinarily dark, um, happens a little bit before the end. Um, and it's, it's the scene when, um, Jack learns from Kate, um, that Audrey has died. Right. And he's on the phone mm-hmm. with her. Um, and, and, and I, I want to see if you read this in the same way, because what I see happen is that Kate sort of is talking and explaining what happens and Jack stops listening to her and he lets the phone fall away. Um, and then he, and he has a machine gun in his hand, but he reaches for a pistol. And, and the way I read this is that he's going to kill himself. Or yeah, he's, yeah, pretty much. And he's thinking about killing himself. Um, and, 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 and you see him, you know, start to like, you know, just, and it, it's the, 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 most, the largest expression of the jack shakes, this kind of phenomenon that we talk about of him shuddering and resetting. And he keeps just, the, the engine just keeps, you know, he, he keeps, it keeps not turning over. Um, and then, and, and he, and he, it seems like he's about to, to, to shoot himself with his pistol. And then he hears, um, then he hears the, the, some, some of the Chinese, uh, guards, uh, and he puts the pistol away and picks up the machine gun. Um, and, 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 and goes into, um, into rampage mode or beast mode. Um, and there's this then sequence of him just tearing through every single one of Zhang's men and, and then, and, uh, and, you know, not knife fighting, um, uh, kung fu fighting Zhang himself, um, and then, and, and, and culminating in him getting Zhang and, and beheading him. Um, but that, that kind of moment of, of Jack contemplating, um, uh, suicide and then not doing it. Um, is 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 interesting and contrasts interestingly with the other kind of death that he returns to, which is this kind of, you know, which is something that's happened in most of the season ends now, right? Like most of the season ends for the last you know three or four seasons end in him either going into hiding uh, and you know faking his own death and going into hiding or. Um, being taken off the grid uh, by some power or another and being tortured um, or, or or some combination of those um, of those things and that he's not been around right he has not uh, gone home for a long time um, and and you know and and possibly um, may may never be able to go home again um, and I think there's a few more pieces of that um, that cannot connect up to some of what we were talking but I mean what were your reactions um, so so I think that in this arc there is a way in which Jack dies in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it may not be a permanent death because as we know 24 has the chance to reset and you can always you know tomorrow is another day yeah. um, but the clock, uh, and the clock circles back around right? yeah, yeah yeah that's true but it's notable the, – the big thing that strikes me about this whole journey that Jack makes from wanting to kill himself to going berserk on all the guards to killing Shang is the just the very last act, right, which is when he, he forces Zhang's face in front of the, the video and he gets like proof of life of Zhang and then he yeah. beheads him, right? Yeah. Uh, which, of course, who does that, right? Uh, who, who does that? Who does uh, that? Terrorists do it. 
Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's a very yeah. famous thing that terrorists yeah. do, and they in particularly did it in a couple of very public instances during the height of 24's popularity. Yes. This yeah. idea of making a video where you're like, say what your name is, say what your name is, and then chopping the person's head off. Right? So in the beginning of the season, in a little bit of a smaller sense, Jack was being accused of being a terrorist by Mark Boudreaux. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, it's been in all the commercials. It's been in all of the like the the promo commercials at least. Right. On Jack Play. Bauer is a traitor and a psychopath. Yeah, and like you know exactly all this stuff, and he accuses him of being a terrorist. And it's like, well, Jack Bauer is the farthest thing from a terrorist that there is. Right, he's the anti-terrorist. He's the anti-terrorist. Right? He's, but, the, he's the counter-terrorist. Exactly. Exa- well, a counter-terrorist is different from an anti-terrorist. Well, th- though, so that's it? interesting, though, right? So, I mean, that's an interesting thing to like. Like, so the unit is the counter-terrorist uh, unit, but is Jack a counter-terrorist or an anti-terrorist? I think by the end of that journey, he's become an anti-terrorist. Right. Um, and like, especially when he talks to the Russians, mm-hmm. and he's like. If anything happens to her or my family, you know, terrible things will happen to you and you'll never see it coming, like that sort of thing. Um, But even more than that, I mean, we've seen this whole journey this whole season. It starts off with Jack, you know, talking about how he broke up the the human trafficking ring for himself. I did this one for me. I did this one for me, right? And this idea that he also – the reason that he wants to hurt the Al-Harazis is because he hates them. And he hates right. them for the way that they justify what they do, which is projection because he also hates what – he also heavily justifies what he does, which is right. the same thing because there's this symmetry in that episode mm. where he's – excuse me. He's torturing uh, Simone Al-Harazi by hitting her in the same finger that her mother chopped off. Right. Right? And so he's very, very clearly – like he's very clearly chopping off Darth Vader's head in the cave and seeing his own face, right? He's like right. – you know, he's he's becoming the thing that he despises. Um one of the interesting shots leading up to Jack Bauer beheading uh, Shang-Chi is when he's in the kitchen and he kills the Chinese gangster with the cleaver. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's something that Chinese gangsters do in movies is they kill people with cleavers. Huh. It's like fairly common in like triad action movies kind of stuff, right? Like the uh, meat cleaver in a kitchen is like a common sort of weapon in those kinds of action sequences. So I, there's a sense that Jack is becoming he's, – he's becoming what, he's, what he despises. He's like descending. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I was, what I was going to say is that that for me also resonates with something, um, that, uh, and, and there is this kind of recognition of this, um, earlier on, um, much earlier on in the episode when he picks up Chloe and Chloe says, oh, well, you know, I, you know, that, um, Adrian made this device, uh, with some of, some of my knowledge and it's partly my fault. And, and, and Jack says, it's not your fault, Chloe. You have to let that go. None of this is. And I think the unspoken thing is a, is a recognition of this is my fault. Yeah. Um, and and that I mean, I, and and there's one kind of sense, and this this kind of circles back to another, you know, the the one of the last um, lines of you know we just want you, Mister Bauer. That's all we ever wanted. Um, and that there's a, I mean, I, I would love to talk about how to how to parse that because it, it is insinuating, and this kind of came up in the uh, comment um, thread a, after an hour ago of of the kind of Russians and Baron von Mustache being actually architects of this scheme rather than just people who are just looking for Jack. Is that it seems like that. You know that this instance of terrorism was right the you know a a terrorist act in search of a anti terrorist right that yeah. that like 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 well what we want Jack Bauer I mean one way to read this is that you know the Russians were um 
you know, at the root of sponsoring a override device because that's the, exactly the kind of thing that gets Jack Bauer out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Uh, and and that is this amazing. Then the the um, chicken egg relationship between, um, I guess, in this case, kind of terrorist fighters and terrorists is is really interesting right that they that there's a symbiotic relationship not even just a chicken egg relationship of which comes first but that they that um they they need each other and we kind of talk about this you know the um wanting to help others and i think the the fl- um flip side of that is for jack a um a a compulsion to help others and a a uh, an ability to not um, to not do that and to kind of, you know, keep running and following every, um, every lead and following every thread, um, uh, with this logic. And so that it ends up with Jack in custody again. Um, and so, and, and so there's this kind of logic of Jack Bauer, um, that, um, then kind of motivates the terrorism. It's, it's an interesting thing. And it's actually kind of full circle in some ways with the first season of, um, 24, which, um, a big part of these, uh, um, the events that take place are in part um, revenge uh, uh, is about the Drazen's desire for revenge on Jack and Palmer for this operation um, that uh, – and I don't remember the details. I mean kind of ma- making my similar point. But that there is a – that the um, you know terrorist acts in that episode or in that season, which are you know actually a lot um, – smaller bore than a lot of what we see in the subsequent seasons um are very focused on jack and so it kind of, it's interesting to and and in in various seasons there is more or less kind of jack focused um but this is one where at least in that my read of that um that quote that it kind of um brings that front and center again yeah it's really interesting to think okay so what actually happened so if we take that quote at the end at face value what happened right. is that the, 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 I don't think it's – we never see any representatives of the Russian government, like the Russian civilian government in no. the show. We only see covert operatives for Russian intelligence even when they're in like civilian roles, right? Right. So the idea is that there are elements within the covert, uh, the covert operations for the Russians who want revenge on Jack Bauer for killing their diplomats uh, who are probably also covert operatives uh, right. <laughs> now that we think about it, right, at the end of uh, season eight. Right or is it season? Right. Yeah, season eight. Yeah, I think it's eight. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so what they they decide that they're going to go recruit Jack Bauer's like biggest enemy, which is Shang Chi, right? right? Who right, is right, they break right. him out of prison in China, uh, with the goal of of using him to uh to they lead him to believe, I th- I don't because I don't think Shang Chi thinks that this is all to get Jack Bauer. No, right. No, like Chen Ji think so. thinks that he's helping the Russians start a war between America and China, so that he's getting right. revenge on China, which he doesn't like because they put him in prison. But what the Russians are doing is they're using him as bait, right? They're they're putting him out there, and they have right. him pay right. this yeah. organization. He's bauer make, bait. He's bauer, he's bauer bait. bait, and he pays this organization to make this override device, right? Right. And they find an organization that's working. With like the American counter, the American intelligence agencies, right? Uh, right. That right. is already right. selling information, <laughs> right? So, so it's like, and um, so, and then Chloe gets involved, right? And so we get the sense that for some reason, there's a couple of links in the story that that are left out that would make this whole 
thing feel tighter. One is how does Chloe come to work for Adrian Cross? Right. Right. So that's one of the big ones is that why why is it that Chloe's working for Adrian Cross? Did Chloe, did Adrian Cross go seeking her out? Did the did Shang-Chi tell Adrian Cross to go find her and to use her to build the override device? Right? Did that happen? That's possible, right? Or how else did that happen? Or was it something where were they using the information in the CIA to try to find Chloe or whatever? It's just interesting that he's sniffing around the same sorts of groups of people. Then the other one is what? What about Derek Yates? Right? We never really found out what Derek Yates's deal was, other than if we just right. take it on face value. And so, because Derek, what Derek Yates does is he re- reprograms and steals the override device to sell it for his own personal gain, um, right? To right. Margot Harazi. Right. And and part of and it's interesting. So he is doing that. So was he was he selling it to Margot Halarazi or who was he trying to sell it to originally? No, he was originally trying to sell it to Basher and the Russian arms dealer. Oh man! Like, see, I mean, this proves my first point about like. I mean, this was just twelve hours. Yeah, ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Derek Yates was trying to get. So okay, so <laughs> that's that's the part of it I'm not quite following. Is that like so Derek Yates? So the, the Al-Harazis got the device because Simone was Matahariing Derek Yates yes. inside of the organization. Um, and so – but Derek Yates was trying to get the device perhaps to the Russians. No, I think he was going to sell it – Yates was going to sell it to Margo, um, but then uh, – because I feel like he talked to Margo. Yeah. Uh, but then um, when he was like – then. I feel like there was again another possible bidder that he was going to reach out to or something. Um, that then uh, Simone just kills him and takes it. So what what might be possible is that that second bidder that tries to buy the device from Derek Yates might have been the Russians. Right. They might have been trying to get Derek Yates to sell them the device or sell one of their intermediaries because you get the sense that in the London under in the not the London Underground in the subway but in the underground crime scene area of London <laughs> there were people who were associated with shady elements of Russian intelligence like maybe the arms dealer like the Ukrainian Russian arms dealer right or maybe Bash, Basher and his gang had something to do with it right 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 um, so uh, so yeah so but that's interesting so then but that those two things together like. Um, would would help clarify this idea that they never really wanted to start a war between China and the United States to take over Poland. That really this was an independent action that was used as bait to lure out Jack Bauer and to get the American government to give him up or somehow hand him over. Right. It's, it's put as put many things in motion, and one of them, and and one of them will will. There's lots of people that Jack is going to want to help. Who's there? Overthinking at fire department. Oh, yeah, we should let them in. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull the lever, man. Uh, what can we do for you, uh, Mr. Fireman? Hello, Pete. Hello, Ryan. Oh, Ben! Ben, you're not the sexy fire department. I know. Ben, I, what, I just wanted, what are you doing I wanted to recap. Here? I wanted to recap the episode. All right, great. Uh, I'm, well, why are you dressed like a fireman? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay, we're shutting up. By all means, why don't you just lead into your interpretation? I'm assuming, of course, you've already covered Downton Abbey moments because those are the most important part of any episode of television. So <laughs> do I detect some have, sarcasm? To... Do I detect some sarcasm in your voice? <laughs> not, no, not at all. Okay, I, okay, uh, okay. Matt Rather and I on Downton Abbey, we, we love the Downton Abbey moments. Mm, uh, so my, my, I think my moment for this episode is it's one of the last things that... Audrey says she's talking to Kate when they're in the park 
And it's two short little questions. And the order, I think, is really, really interesting for this episode. And the first question she asks is, is Jack closing in on Chang? And Kate just says, like, basically, yes. And then she asks, is Jack all right? And the reason I think that's interesting is because there's kind of two things happening there. Because the first question is basically asking, are we going to prevent this nuclear war? Like, is Jack closing in on Chang? Is he going to stop this in time? And then the second question is about Jack's, like, personal welfare. Um, And I think, you know, by the end of the episode, that's what we've seen is the only thing that's gone well in this episode is that we prevented the nuclear war. Like, there's been massive personal costs in this episode. Um, but, But at least we saved the world. And that's kind of what I feel like a lot of 24 is all about, is, like, the mission comes first, and then you ask if Jack's all right, or then you ask, is Audrey all right? I mean, it's really interesting because something that we were talking about, um, not to re-re, not to recap the recap or to meta recap, um, but interestingly, that's kind of an inverse of a lot of what we see otherwise of wanting of people do wanting to help each other, of helping helping their friends, um, and so I think that that's very interesting, and it connects in an interesting way to um, a scene that we talked about uh, before, but in a in a different um, in a different way. Uh, which was um, when uh, when they say when when um, Mark says something to the effect of well we you know w- once they learn that Audrey's pinned down by the sniper and they say well, we, well that's it I guess that's it. It, like Mark basically says well I guess it's over nuclear war <laughs> nuclear <laughs> war for everyone uh, yeah. because you know and 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 they're like no like we have to go after her. and um, that, and he's that- like well you're condemning her to death. Uh, and 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 he's like, she loves you, and then that prompts the shut up, yeah, which I loved. Yeah, I, obviously. <laughs> I, but Ben, I think I think you're raising an interesting point because, and it's something that is difficult to talk about for me, just because of the the pathways in the brain that it requires. I somewhat take for granted. I don't know about you guys. I somewhat take for granted in shows like this that people are trying to save the world. Like it's almost kind of an incidental thing that has very little to do with what's actually happening in the episode, right? <laughs> but perhaps uh, if one were to look at my viewing habits of, say, like movies and television, one would realize that there are many movies and television uh, shows that I watch where the goal is to save the world, right? And so thus maybe, just maybe, I actually care about saving the world and it's not <laughs> not all just about the emotional relationships between the people who are saving the world. And I sort of like in interpretation and kind of criticism of these episodes and these movies, I kind of shelve the whole idea of like, oh, well, yeah, there's this villain that's going to destroy the earth, right? Like, (laughs) or what have you, right? And it's like, uh, okay, yeah, but like what cars are they driving and why? And what are their emotional significance to the people who are driving them? Um, But what is it? Because – Jack Bauer is this cult of personality, but like, what does it really mean to be preventing? To like, how does it charge you emotionally? What's the role in the story? Like, how does it make you feel uh, that that the, the stakes, right, and the um, just the 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 fact that we're all in, incorporated into it, uh, just the relationship between saving the world and our own sense of the world that we live in. I mean, are we capable of really comprehending the idea? of the world having a nuclear war to the extent that it feels personal? I mean, maybe. I don't know, Ben, do, does this end story? I mean, Ben, you, you, I know, in your past, have personally applied yourself to, like, this very sort of work, right? Like, you have served your country in a way that I have served people at Applebee's, uh, in that you have done it <laughs> professionally. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, how does that, how do you connect with stuff like this? 
So I, th- I think, and actually I think this relates back to what role saving the world has in the story. Because the, you know, for me, obviously, at the micro level of pretty much anywhere in the military, you're never saving the world. You're doing some very discrete task that is hopefully making the world a better place when looked at in the abstract. Well, yeah, you're getting the device oh. because if you don't get the device, then you know, then they're, they're going to be able to get the airplane that's going to go and it's going to be with the Bel- Belarusian gas interests, and then they're going to have the nerve gas. It's all a chain of events. I know, Ben. It's all you just have to. It's, <laughs> it's after a certain number of years in the military, you get revealed who the next big bad is, right? And that's how it works. Like for the right, first three exactly. years, you're going up against just this small town guy, like you're fighting pirates, right? But then after three or four years, they let you know that the pirates are part of a bigger conspiracy, and you get. It's and it's Shang <laughs> It's always Chang. But anyway, anyway, continue. But, but anyway, so because what I think, but what you have to just, you have to get, you have to make it the smaller goal of whatever it is you're doing, and you have to just kind of keep that as your your personal success is kind of recognizing that what you're doing has this effect down the road. And so I think while the audience doesn't really get the sense that the world is being saved in the episode in a truly kind of comprehending it way in the same way that I think in like a big disaster movie you might, or like certainly at the end of independence day where we're seeing like alien spaceships going down all around the world. And we kind of get this idea of a greater world out there that's being saved. But I think it's because Jack, what Jack Bauer does is save the world. Like that's his reason for existence almost. Um, And so if he doesn't say like, if he doesn't save the world, if at the end of this episode, the U.S. goes to war with China and, like, everybody dies. The tragedy is that Jack failed. It's not that all the people out there in 24 land die. It's that Jack failed, which we, which we can't abide, like, from a storytelling perspective. Well, also, it's really interesting is that Jack Bauer saves the world so that the world can be threatened with annihilation the next season. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That, 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 you know, if the world is, is destroyed, then there can be no more 24. Cause there's, if everything is just a smoking husk, <laughs> then there's nothing to threaten and there's nothing to fight for anymore. I mean, it raises um, an interesting question as to like, if Jack Bauer personally weren't there, like, are there a whole bunch of other alternative Earths that did support uh, intelligent life, but Jack Bauer wasn't there, and so life ended on all those places? So we have sort of an anthropic principle where it's like Jack Bauer has to keep saving the world because otherwise the world wouldn't exist to observe. Right? right. Like, so he he's a variable in the Fermi paradox. Is yeah. like the probability of Jack Bauer arising yeah. <laughs> like required for intelligent life to exist. <laughs> But, but I mean, I, this is again. You see how I don't take this stuff seriously, even right. though this is like stuff that it maybe, maybe briefly we can take a moment to take seriously. But but I think it is interesting because, like, at the you know, so at the end, like, all of the people we are involved with in this show have been devastated. Yeah. Like, there's a great shot with his three frames, and it's the president walking with the casket. It's Mark yeah. walking out to the car to go to jail forever, and it's Kate walking out of the CIA, presumably, you know. To either to go rogue or never to come back. But either way, it's like three people whose lives have been completely ruined by this day. And then, of course, Jack is going off in a helicopter to be tortured in a Russian prison. It's like the only victory is that, oh, by the way, the world got saved. But it's so there's this interesting tension between like the personal stakes and, and the world. And it, it's funny because, of course, like Jack will stay in that Russian prison until the world is needs to yeah. be saved again. And then he'll yeah. get out. And if he never gets out, the world will never be threatened again. So it's like his penance to save the world is that he has to go to Russian prison. I actually kind of hope that if there is another uh, live another other day um, that 
that there's a terrorist a threat against Russia, a Jack has to to Jack Bauer for the Russians. That would be great. That would be awesome if there were a, if there were a 24 that was set in Moscow. Yeah. Oh, that would be so sweet. And you got to think that they're doing another, right? I mean, you got to think that they're doing another. Well, actually, I think this actually leads me to something that um I want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet, which is um the two silent clocks, right? Mm. That so we have the Audrey silent clock, uh, which we can talk a little bit about. But I think the one that was really interesting is that is the silent clock at the end. And I, I could be wrong. Um, I've been hellering a lot this episode because there's a lot to process. But I don't know of other episodes where there were two silent clocks in um, in one episode. Um, and so we have the silent clock for Audrey. And then the si- then the question is, what is the second silent clock silent clocking for um and and i guess that, that raises a question of what do this what what functions the silent clocks uh serve um and when we've seen them appear um it's usually after a death but not always after a death it's uh, often either a, a other kind of momentous things um so i'd love to kind of hear your guys thoughts about the two silent clocks Wait, what, what was the what are other momentous things that the silent clock is for um people dying? i i feel like they're um i i uh will answer the first question and then i'll, I'll <laughs> i need to get on the comm <laughs> Uh, and uh, answer that question. Um, well, just so the the one thing that was interesting to me about that scene was the uh, the caption right at the beginning of just like giving you the context of where it was, and all it says was just outside London, like not where out, not some town right. outside London, just generally outside London, which, which is, is like everywhere else, everywhere right, else, which in is the everywhere world. else in the world. <laughs> but it's also just a great way of like breaking with the rest of the season as saying like this is somewhere else than the rest of the season occurred. And that's all you need to know about this scene. Right. For all we know, it could be uh, um, it could be Los Angeles. <laughs> right. I mean, it, he had 12 um, no. hours. But, okay. So the red eye. Right. Um, so, OK. So there, there's a few. Um, let me see if there are any that are kind of other events. Um, it looks like so, there are there are six ones that don't happen because somebody died. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And and some of those are kind of maybe also season ending, um, like the end of day six, um, I think, or near the end of day, day six. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, go on, Pete. Uh, interesting. Oh, so and day six is the one that ends with Jack being sent off to the uh, to the Chinese. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm just a little bit lost by it. I think that the silent clock here, you could it could lead one to believe that it's like a funeral for the show, right? right? And it's like the show's yeah. over, right? The show the show's done, uh, and the silent clock is because the show is done, um, or that there's some sort of implication that the show is done. The show is done until the moment that it isn't, right? Um, I suppose is is the case. Well, um, and that is that is interesting because one of the other um, uh, silent clocks is um, in day seven when Jack and Tony are. Um, you know, burying Renee Walker alive after Jack pretended to kill her, um, and 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 uh, and there's a silent clock then, right? So that uh, and that's a, an interesting point. That now that there's been an expectation that there's a silent clock when somebody dies, then that is something else to play with. The 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 um the giving and the withholding of the silent clock are an interesting way in which the um the the creators of the show play with our expectations, right? And I remember. Uh, Earlier this season, when the um, the drone strike blows up Wembley Field, I, it was very notable that there was no silent clock, um, and 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 I definitely you know Googled it and, and kind of thought about this. I was like, wait, okay, what is what does that mean? Um, and you know, and and so that 
now that there is a pattern and, and there's also precedent for breaking the pattern now i mean on the, uh, more than anything it both sets up some ambiguity and also just is a way of of signaling kind of the gravity of a situation and and not not that it you need need that but or not not signaling it but just adding to it in a way um just because that ticking clock is so present that um even though it's been used you know it gets used more and more as every season goes on it still is such an overwhelming um, minority of clock appearances that that they are still really um, striking. Hey, uh, pull, pull the lever. Pull the lever. Might be another <laughs> sexy fireman. <laughs> Eric, Eric, yes! Eric, you're alive. Oh, my God, you're covered in soot. I got it. It was tough. You got it? You got what? I, I got the cold brew. I had to punch my way through several sexy firemen, but I got the cold brew. Here... Well, here it is. Oh. Oh. oh, it's all over the floor, and oh. it was it was done. It was done. It was finally done, and it was so acid free, and it was going to be refreshingly flavorful and artisanal. It's okay. I'm never going to remember that we had cold brew coffee, or that we lost it in such a terrible way. Does anyone want any chestnuts? I found a few. Twelve hours later. Mm, you see? I told you, cold brewing is an artisanal and painstaking process. This is delicious, Matt. It is so light, and there's no acidity to it at all. I know, that's the cold, that's the cold brewing. I mean, it's, uh, that's the hours and hours it spends in contact with the grounds. Well, I'm glad that we had another 12 hours to, you know, and, and an extra toddy uh, cold brewing system um, in the backup kitchen, in the overthinking it backup kitchen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and so we were able to just get it going while we, we kind of rested up. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of wish I knew that before I, you know, punched my way through sexy firemen in the middle of a blazing inferno, but... I mean, Eric, there's a lot of things we all wished we knew before this day started, but I think this... the important thing is that we're here now, after the 12-hour time jump, uh, having learned a couple things, I guess, about I... this delicious coffee. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Ben? I mean, I think this shows, you know, you, you, can't, you can't rush an artisanal process. You can't, you know, mess with the powers of nature and, and tempt, get, tempt fate if you're going to want to make a, a good product. So, 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 guys, explain the whole mole and the polar ice caps thing to me because that's something that I still don't understand. Uh, yeah, about, and yeah. why was Matt shot? <laughs> yeah, and you look you look great, by the way, Matt. Oh, thanks very much. I've had twelve hours to recover. I'm feeling a lot better. Oh, that's that's really yeah. Great. I mean, uh, you know, Jack Bauer kicked a heroin addiction in less time than that. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and Matt is spry and is artisanal. You know, I I feel like I should share the benefits of cold brewing coffee in a painstaking and artisanal manner with, uh, with everyone, with the world, you know? And so uh, I'd like to give everyone a chance. So I'm, I'm going to leave everyone a link in the show notes for this real-time recap uh, to the cold brewing uh, apparatus that we have used today. Wait, uh, so, Matt, this yeah? is an affiliate link. Yeah, it that, is. That, 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 that means, was this whole thing an advertisement for cold brew coffee? We don't have time to go into that anymore. <laughs> but but I I uh, 
I just want everyone to use this link. Buy the cold brewing apparatus. Wait, Ben, Ben, did you know about this? Did you know that Matt was planning to post the affiliate link for the cold brew coffee machine when you were calling Eric to tell him about the polar ice caps? Matt, am I supposed to admit that that this was all an ad? (laughs) Well, you just... I I did no no such such thing. I admitted (laughs) no no such such thing. thing. Uh, You know... I'd be mad if this cold brew coffee just weren't so gosh darn delicious. I know it's just so yeah. tasty. So wait, so Eric, were, were you were you in the loop about all this? Yeah, I was. I was definitely in the loop. I mean, I don't know why the cold brew company wanted me to, you know, shoot rather, but um, you know, I, look, they're giving us the money, so oh I. Oh my I god, it was you! It was yeah, you! yeah, yeah, it was me. And who was it? Who was at your door when you were screaming? Oh, um, that was me. Well, that was you, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Like I, I kind of stopped by. I got a text from Matt that said, "Hey, go rough up Eric." Um, and I was already kind of jacked up, so I was like, "Yeah, all right." You know, I listened to my editor in chief. Wow, there's a and, lot that happens. Yeah, and they ben? told me that they developed it under the polar ice caps because they thought it'd make it sound more fancy. <laughs> well, I mean, it sure does. It sure sounds yeah. awful fancy. Hey, does anyone uh, want an orange slice? Yeah, I totally want an orange. All right, slice. here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it can be broken into uh, into into five pieces. So uh, here, here we go, everybody. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, see, this really yeah. this really raises the question of this the big time. The, everything in twenty four gets so compressed and compacted into the time that it has to take place. Having an actual twelve hour time gap in an episode of twenty four, I mean, couldn't any number of unfathomable things elsewise have happened? Like for me, for the past twelve hours, it's been pretty chill. Like after twelve hours of, of total chaos, like you know, I took a little nap, I took a little poop, I played a little uh, Civilization five. Well, I mostly played Civilization five, thinking I was going to take a nap, and then you know how it is, one more turn, and then all of a sudden twelve hours are gone. But like, and I've, which means I've been up for pretty much 24 hours. But at any rate, uh, sorry if I'm a little loopy, guys, and, uh, you know, I don't stop talking when I'm really tired. But the, the point is that, like, so much less happens during the 12 hours of rest than happened in the 12 hours of activity. Like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, sure, I had to, you know, uh, go out and dispose of a sniper rifle. But, you know, that, that took maybe, like, two hours. Two hours. Well, it's, it's interesting because, like, normally Jack Bauer... If he if he gets a phone call and says be at this location because we're going to exchange hostages, if he has twelve minutes, that's enough time to like come up with an elaborate ruse to get out of the situation. Yeah, and so t- for him having twelve hours, that should be more than enough time to like assemble a Jack Bauer clone that he can send <laughs> to uh, the helicopter in his place. Yeah, yeah, it definitely there has to this is there has to be a character justification for Jack going into that helicopter at the end of the episode because it's certainly not a necessity. He's definitely gotten out of worse scrapes. Like he could like leave the country and get Chloe later or like I guess he could just rescue Chloe from wherever she is, right? Like but there's part of him that is He could destroy time. Russia. He could destroy the entire hours. nation of Russia in 12 hours. How does he need to uh what does he need to go and actually do this trade-off and partly it's because he's exhausted and it's also because he's kind of like done for a little bit, yeah he you know? had to poop too <laughs> yeah. jack poops guys and if well if chloe is his only friend right if Chloe's really his only friend as he says at the end of the episode then there's no further impetus for him to help anybody right like and if i guess if the world isn't being threatened maybe he loses a lot of his superpowers i'm not sure um i mean i'll raise this question do you think do you really think that they're gonna bring back jack bauer again um uh, they could. I mean, it's always he's, good. 
he's come back from worse. Yeah, he he basically said like, "Watch out for me in the future because other things might happen." Like right before they put him in, in the helicopter. What yeah, do you think? It, a, a movie or another season? Maybe another season. I don't know. I mean, this this really felt to me like it didn't have a lot of finality, right? Like it kind of felt like it built up for something that would happen more later. I mean, did you guys feel that way about any of it? I, I, I've been thinking yeah. all. I've been thinking all along that they've been prepping like Kate to be the heir apparent, mm-hmm. but I didn't really get that feeling from the end of this with her turning her turning in her badge and gun. Yeah, um, well, she which didn't be. really feel like a rogue move. It mm-hmm. just felt like a she was done yeah. kind of move. Well, certainly she can't work for the CIA in London anymore. She has to go work for somebody else, like CTU in Los Angeles, where everything. She's gonna happens. work for Uber. She's gonna work for Uber. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I just like what it's like, you know, the next season of uh, uh, I think the next season of 24 is going to be about disruptive innovation. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's going to be Uber has like a, uh, a an arm of like disruptive um, uh, uh, intelligence gathering. Uh, it's an intelligence gathering app. So she's going to so it's gonna, the next episode is going to be in San Francisco in the so, Silicon Valley. Is it, is it going to be about like a car company called Franklin that gives up all its patents? And it turns out that one of the patents is for a device that can shut down all the electricity in the world yes, <laughs> that would be good yeah i mean yeah, yeah. i mean i mean that like that is only marginally more far-fetched than like the average 24 plot line. <laughs> yeah. so so here's what i mean there's actually more 24 that's going to happen there there is at least one more scene that we haven't seen yet uh and oh. i want to make sure that all the readers are aware of it because it's coming and we're coming really close to the end of this recap so we gotta like Get, get it in now. So next week uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, Kiefer Sutherland is doing a panel, which is crazy because the show's over. Why would he be doing a panel if the show is over, right? It's going to be him, and it's going to be the director, uh, John Kasser, uh, and they are going to be promoting the DVD Blu-ray release. But, I mean, is it really worth it for a big you know, movie star slash TV star slash belligerent alcoholic like Heather Sutherland like do Comic-Con just to talk a D- about a DVD? He's probably launching his YouTube channel 24-7 oh. that uh, <laughs> gives you 24-style storytelling uh, all day, seven days a week that you can stream live to your <laughs> Computer or mobile device. Oh my god, wouldn't that be amazing if there was just always Jack Bauer happening somewhere? Wouldn't that be outrageous? Yep. Um, but yeah, but it's uh, but but one of the things that I have read about is that there is a scene on the DVD, like a hidden scene, not a hidden scene, but like a scene that was not included in the season of Twenty Four Live Another Day on the DVD Blu-ray, and it is about. Tony Almeida in prison is what I've heard. Is that there is going to be a big scene that is unveiled at Can- San Diego Comic Con that we haven't seen that will fill in the backstory of Tony Almeida and the actor who plays Tony Almeida, who uh, I don't think his real name is important. But Eric, what's his real name again? Uh, what was it? Carlos Bernard. Carlos Bernard. Okay, cool. Uh, and so. He met with the producers, and that, that's been kind of a rumor the whole time that he was going to be involved in this season. And of course, he never showed up. So, uh, so the idea, you know, okay, there'll be a hidden scene; it'll be revealed. It seems kind of Avengers style, potentially, right? Like, it seems like it could be, uh, it could be something that's that's a teaser for a movie or another season of the show. I don't know. I'm excited. It's a teaser for twenty four, twenty four movies. Twenty four, twenty four movies. <laughs> Not twenty four yeah. of them. I guess like twelve of them. Right? Twelve, twenty four <laughs> movies that are all going to happen in succession, each one two hours long, and cost twelve dollars in three D. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they're, they're going to pay for the bills. 
But yeah, anyway, I'm just floating that out there as something to be excited about. So if, you lo- if you've loved this season as much as I have, and I think as much as everyone else here has, except for Rather Who Didn't Watch It, um, if, but it still graced us with his presence throughout this recap, uh, check out the, the news around next week, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens. Um, is there anything else that anybody wanted to add before we wrap up this wonderful real-time recap? I'm just saying, I mean, it may or may not be an affiliate link. We don't have time to find that out. But uh, you should click on the affiliate link in the show notes for this episode and get yourself a cold brewing system. And really, if you are cold brewing, you know, take a picture of it and uh, tweet it at us uh, at OverThinkingIt uh, on Twitter. Um, we've, we've actually had a fair amount of traffic of people t- uh, telling us about the cold brew adventures that they've gone on as a result of these recaps. Um, um, if you could work a timestamp into it somehow, that also would be good. <laughs> <laughs> so that you could prove you were cold brewing now rather than at some point in the past or the right, future. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want. If you could put up a piece of paper that <laughs> has written on it like a current event, so that we know that you didn't just pull this picture from someone else's picture of someone drinking cold brew. Coffee. Just have the cold brew say its name. So get today's newspaper, right? And put on the world. Oh, the World Cup. The World Cup. Guys, we missed the World Cup. Is the World oh. Cup? Oh man. Um. So. During our whole time dilation in the hyperbolic time chamber that encompasses all of overthinking at headquarters in Zurich, Switzerland, we missed whole weeks of actual real time. Um, but anyway, the point is that if you want to talk about cold brew, if you want to talk about 24, if you want to talk about any other TV show or movie that you love or any other food or drink that you love uh, and, and just be part of a real fun community of writers and thinkers and doers and shakers, uh, you know where to find us, which is at our home on the web at www.overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. We just want you, Cold Brew. That's all we ever wanted. Yeah.